It's podcast 31. 31. Um, well, I'm excited. What have we got coming up? We're going to have a little chat, as promised, about Orion. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts, here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. Ah, the glorious Orion. This is good, actually, isn't it? Because I don't think many people will know all of the facts about the glory that is Orion. I know it's amazing, actually. Uh, do, do you know what? What the, one of the best things about uh, the last couple of episodes with Marcus mm. is that he's uh, he actually has forced me to look into a few things, uh, which have been really interesting. Particularly the heat shield on Orion is actually yeah. genuinely really interesting. Hmm. There's some good stuff in there. So, so yeah, we could talk about it. But, Jamie. Yeah. It's the Interplanetary Podcast. Putting, Putting the, the ace, ace back, back into, into space. space. <laughs> you, you didn't do that it's with seamless. much enthusiasm. Uh, I, I was, uh, um, I don't know. Uh, I you was, just weren't pumped up. Well, I, I, pop, pop I was time. I was worried about timing, <laughs> and ironically, mucked the timing up. <laughs> oh, but, but by the way, yeah. by the way, James, uh, uh, this uh, Orion that we're going to talk about is not yeah. is not the Orion that we've talked about before, which was mm, the no. which was the nuclear propulsion Orion that's for interstellar travel. Yes, it's really quite exciting because this is going to be the first vehicle, really, that's really gone much further than the moon so it it should be eventually capable of getting to mars so what does mpcv stand for matthew it's it stands for the multi-purpose crew vehicle and uh, see, Orion didn't start off as part of this. Uh, Orion's had a bit of a long and kind of checkered history because it yeah. wasn't. It, it almost got uh, scrapped because it was part of the Constellation uh, program, right? Uh, that uh, I believe George Bush started, mm. and the Constellation program was uh, uh, a big sort of push to the moon and to Mars yeah. with uh, the Ares uh, vehicle and uh, Orion. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, they scrapped it because it was Mars uh-huh. behind schedule, etc., etc. And so uh, the only thing that survived is the uh, Orion crew uh, vehicle. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and the only way they made it survive was to make it slightly more adaptable. So instead of having lots of versions, it's just one multi-purpose crew vehicle. Uh, I like it. Okay. So it can, so it can go up to low Earth orbit uh, and, and uh, deliver people up to the space station, or it can go to the moon, or it can go to Mars. So, so it's got a sort of two to six people capacity. Obviously, you wouldn't send six people to Mars in it because it would be pretty yeah. cramped and horrible. <laughs> but you could just about send yeah. six people up to the space station in it. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah. So, that's awesome. Uh, well, yeah. what a versatile craft. <laughs> that's, so that's, I've got some, it's got my endorsement. I've, yeah, yeah, no, no. It's, got, it, it's, um, it's pretty expensive, though. So, Go on. So the Orion project has been costing the US taxpayer $3 each every single year. <laughs> $3 each every yeah. year. So, mm. yeah, so we, we're talking billions of dollars each year being spent on the Orion program. See, so it, it doesn't it's, sound like much, but then there are 300 million Americans. 
<laughs> not all taxpayers, but but yeah, yeah I mean it, it's obviously hugely expensive, and and of people that work on the project, obviously for them that they they sort of their their biggest challenge is really keeping the funding going mm. because there's all these schedules that they have to meet and all the sort of technical uh, stuff that has to be done. And, yeah. and this is the brilliant thing about looking into this is the fact that you realise just how complicated these projects are. And, mm. and that's, what, that's, what makes, that's what winds me up so much about the, uh, the conspiracists out there is because they, they just don't understand how hard these things are and then yeah. they just learn a small fact and go, oh, well, it can't be true then. <laughs> that's pretty accurate <laughs> so it's really so so let, let's let's uh just have a look at some of these um uh facts so you're gonna uh, pull some stats out if i know you I'm, I, I might pull some stats out here so here we go uh, so the space station yeah is only 205 miles away on on average right the moon is 239,000 yeah. oh, miles away so it's just a thousand about times that. further so it's like three orders of magnitude further away. So it's like, it's a different thing, different ball game. Now, Matt, I know that a lot of people have seen the graphic, but it is mad that you can actually fit all of the planets in the solar system between the Earth and the Moon. I know. I mean, that's <laughs> that, it is unbelievable, a crazy one, that one. isn't it? No, that is, that is absolutely bonkers. Especially no. when you think about the size of Jupiter, Here's for example. One. I yeah, well, I wonder if you can fit every single planet discovered, exoplanet discovered so far between Earth and Mars. Hmm. Because that's, yeah, that's 39 million miles away. So that's when it's, ah, it's closest. So, so okay. 39 million miles away. And obviously sometimes it's more like 150 million miles away. Yes. So <clears throat> these, are the, these are the kind of crazy things that this Orion spacecraft is built for. So... Obviously, one of the one of the striking things, and and I think this is probably why most people don't sort of look at Orion and go, "Oh, I must learn more about that." Is because it's got that familiar capsule design. So it's not like it's not like, "Oh my God, look at this spaceship that they're building." Yeah, it's not wacky looking. Yeah, no, it's not wacky looking. So it is pretty much based on the Apollo Mm -hmm. capsules. So not nothing big there, but it's sixty percent bigger than Apollo. So in, in uh, so it's got a five meter diameter rather than a three point nine meter diameter, and as I pointed out to Marcus, that's a, that's a massive difference in surface area. So mm. uh, for the for the heat shield, <clears throat> so it can fit up to six crew, uh, and Apollo was only built for three, uh, and it can go obviously much longer into deep space. But where it, to do that, obviously you need kind of a, a few things, although. I believe just the um, just the Orion MPCV with the European service module hmm. should last for two, 21 days. So you should be able to sort of stay in it for 21 days, which right. is which is which. If you think of a vehicle that small, is pretty amazing, isn't it? It's like it is uh, pretty imagine amazing. By, <laughs> imagine being stuck in a splitter bus <laughs> for 21 days. Well, I've done it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not, and it's not, and it's not pretty. 
I mean, at least I got to get out occasionally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, hopefully you went into a venue every now and then. Yeah, occasionally, else, touring know, just, life. <laughs> just went on tour but didn't actually play any shows. <laughs> <laughs> this is it, this is it. So the Orion module itself is a, is a, is a partnership mainly between NASA and Lockheed Martin, hmm. although actually loads of the parts are built by lots and lots of American businesses all, all across America. Right. But I believe the kind of main people that work on Orion all have to be American citizens because of the... Um, I don't know, national interest in there. Uh, but well, you the don't want Orion's... to upset people paying $3 a day. No, no, you don't. Where was but... he born? <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. But NASA, to save money, went to the European Space Agency and said, oh, you remember your uh, ATV, the automated transfer vehicle? Do you mm. fancy, uh, uh, like, basically making a successor to that and it can become the Orion service module? Ah. So I don't know if you remember the ATV, Jamie. You oh, might big be time. too young. Well, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, remember yeah. some of the names of some of the ATVs that flew up to the International Space Station? Uh, well, I know Jules Verne was one. Whoa! And so was Mr. Kepler. Yo, Johan. Um, and we couldn't not mention the big dog himself, Albert Einstein. The Albert Einstein ATV. Yeah. Are you going to go for another one? No, that, I think that's it. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Georges Lemaitre. But anyway, that, so nice. anyway, that, so they, the ATV used to carry stuff up to the International Space Station. Not only did it do that, it used to it used to dock and uh, and uh, boost the ISS into a, into better orbit. Yeah, uh, but it's never been used for transporting passengers. Aha. Okay. And yeah. So uh, so uh, yeah. In 2012, uh, ESA announced that they're going to. Uh, that they were going to terminate the ATV program. So we haven't oh. had one since 2014. Uh, but now it's going to go on and they're going to sort of develop it into the service module for the Orion. When you say uh, terminated, <clears throat> did it lower into molten metal with its with its thumb up, like in Terminator 2? <laughs> You're terminated. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back into orbit. I'll be back as the Orion service module. (laughs) (laughs) We apologise to any Austrians listening. (laughs) Well, of course, Albert Einstein. Was Albert Einstein Austrian? No, no, he wasn't. He was Swiss. No, that was Hitler. I don't know. I can never remember. (laughs) 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 Von Braun's mate. Anyway. Oh, God, yeah. So uh, let's have a look at some comparisons between Apollo service module and the Orion uh, and the Orion service module. Let's do it. So uh, uh, the Orion service module is pretty much twice as powerful in terms of its electricity. Mm. It's a whopping eleven point two kilowatts. Woo! But it weighs nearly forty percent less when fueled. Okay. Twelve percent smaller, but right. it has a third less delta V. And if you're wondering what delta V is, it's it's a kind of measurement of how much fuel you need to actually push it around the solar system. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's got something to do with specific impulse, and and it's just a measure of of it's a, it's a thing that you can stick into the rocket equation to work out how far and how many maneuvers you can make as right. you go around. Got it. Okay. So those people playing Kerbal know all about it, but mm. us mere mortals have got no idea what the hell nah, they're talking about. We don't know. Yes, and the, yeah, and the Orion service module be able, should be able to support a crew of four for twenty-one days, and the, but the Apollo uh, could only do fourteen. Yeah, got it. So, um, 
So obviously on the way to Mars, that's nowhere near enough. Mm. That's nowhere near enough to get to Mars. So there's another uh, part to this whole program, and that's mm. the deep space habitat. Oh, yes. And some of these, some of the drawings of the deep space habitat look really, really cool. So I'm looking at them right now. They're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Little men jumping around inside a, inside a tube, essentially. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so Orion obviously would dock with the uh, deep space habitat and uh, go off to uh, Mars. Mm. Well, that's the plan anyway. And we'll, yeah. I'll actually get on to the really exciting bit right. of uh, some of the recent news that we didn't talk about when it when it when it when it was uh, announced. But we, yeah. we should do on this one because it's it's there's some pretty cool things in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. So the crew module, uh, it has improved waste management facilities with a miniature camping-style toilet and a unisex relief tube like the one on the space shuttle. <laughs> relief <laughs> we have, tube? We, yeah, we talked about We did talk about this when, we, when we had a, a small But did, you ever, did we ever say relief tube? I don't no, think no, that's I, ever I, come I, up, no, is it? No, I don't think I've said unisex I think I'd remember tube. those two words if they were put together. <laughs> But I tell you what, if you really want to listen to a really great episode about poop and pee in space, yeah. uh, uh, are, are We There Yet podcast has just done a really, really good one. So oh, we love check that. that out. For sure, yeah, check so, it out. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really, really good. But so someone's just won a NASA prize by coming up with a, a, a novel solution. I'm glad we're not the only ones who, you know, get down yeah, to I'm, basics. I'm, yeah, I did. You know, there's always a lot of moaning about when people talk about poop and pee in space, but I'm I'm digging it. It's just natural. Yep, natural. You're digging it. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Dear. Uh, so it's designed for deep space reentry at twenty thousand miles an hour, and it's got a stable shape. And I'm going to talk about this stable shape a little bit later. On. Yeah. But one of the really cool things about Orion, it's also built with an open architecture. So as as the as it gets older, you can take out these generic parts. So the parts inside, like the computers and things like that, as generic mm. as possible. So that as improvements come along, you can uh, make them better. So you can you can slot in the new improved versions. It's like a human body getting a new liver or a it's, new lung. Mm, yeah. <laughs> 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 so, so, uh, well, so the really cool thing, just like Apollo, uh, mm. the actual um, capsule is actually slightly crooked, right? Uh, and and the crookedness means that as it as it goes into the atmosphere, it kind of has a it, it sort of tilts over into an angle of attack, right? Uh, which gives it a kind of aerodynamic stability once it's once it's going faster than Mach five and reaches the hypersonic flight regime. Nice. Uh, it, uh, it then then it's. Um, it, it, it stabilises, uh, and the angle of attack causes Orion to have a, a tiny bit of lift, and, and then with that lift, they can steer the vehicle and control the entry trajectory by banking, like a glider. How nice. cool is that? So it's, it's just the fact that its mass is slightly off balance that, that gives it that, that ability to uh, like actually steer in the atmosphere despite being a massive fireball at the time i wonder if there's a video online that, that shows that that you know we can see kind of like a recreation That'd well be cool. there's there's lots of there's lots of simulations of it but, but mm. it's, it, it's almost impossible to film that uh although there's some brilliant orion footage because one of the there there, uh, there has been an, an orion capsule that has gone into space so the mm. exploration and flight test one did go up on December the fifth in two thousand and fourteen, and and did an orbit of the Earth and then went miles out, 
and right. then came back and, uh, uh, and and went through the atmosphere. In fact, it went through the Van Allen belts, and that was. It's actually this. This is one of this uh, Kelly Smith's uh, video about the uh, uh, about the Orion capsule going through the Van Allen belts and saying, "Oh, we, you know, we've got to sort this radiation problem out. We've got to sort it out for Orion. It's been done for Apollo." Ah, so, okay, but, okay. Uh, and, and and I'll get on to one of the reasons why it has to be why it's different for Orion because yeah. uh, the, a, a lot of it's to do with the electronics. You know, the electronics mm. have to be super super stable. And and, and I saw a really cool thing earlier on in the week, which I wrote a little kind of blog about, the uh, little chips in, uh, in spacecraft, mm. which is really exciting. So the, the actual, so the, the Orion itself is, is, is really came out of the need to retire the space shuttle because everyone realised that the, the, the goddamn thing was too unsafe, really. Right. Cause, um, and so it's designed to be ten times safer than the space shuttle. Ten times it's a it's a very very severe problem, and uh, the cosmonauts are right to say, "Oh, you know, radiation in space is a bad problem." Of course it is, yeah. but it's it's not an insurmountable one; it's a solvable one, and that's what that's what they do. It's bad if you were to stick your head out along the way, like on a car, like on a, like a <laughs> dog a lot, on a car journey, yeah. or just hang out, just hang out, yeah, you know, just hang out in the but radiation. May, maybe just don't do that, and then you'll be all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Um, so there's five Orions, I think. I've worked out roughly five Orions, I think, have been built so far. So there's an Orion capsule that the astronauts train in. Yeah. There's the exploration flight test one, which we just talked about. Mm-hmm. There's a boilerplate test article version, which is a boilerplate, again, is that is that pretty much everything except all the things like life support yeah. in there. There's the ground test article, uh, uh-huh. and there's the drop test article. So they do lots of drop tests into water and things like that and see how it hits the ocean and right. things like that. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, so I think, there's, I think there's kind of five of them. Uh, but so here's an interesting thing. is that Someone said, oh, you know, are, are the computers on, uh, on Orion going to be really, really fast? Mm. Uh, but, you know, because, you know, every 10 to 15 years we should have, like, ludicrously yeah, fast... Yeah, modern um, technology. Uh, yeah. Modern technology. However... Uh, the, the computer chips in spacecraft really, really lag behind the, um, you know, the ones in your smartphone or the ones in your computer. Right, right. So, um, and the reason for that is is because actually you don't need like stupidly fast uh, uh, processing speeds because mm. you're only getting your chip to do one thing. It's right. not designed to, you know, to, to have Facebook up and to have Pro Tools running and doing a bit of video editing. Yeah. It's not that, you know, it, it does, it's not designed to do that. So it's, uh, it's, it's just making sure your engines work. Now, the, the thing that it's got to be is totally resistant to radiation. So uh, uh, Boeing make the RAD 750, for example, which is a chip that gets used a lot in lots and lots and lots of spacecraft, yeah. including Curiosity Rover and things like this. And and really, that's based on the chip that used to go in Power Max and uh, Nintendo Wii. No way. Yeah, so so it's kind of really a late nineties chip, right? Uh, <laughs> but it's fast enough. But but the point is that the difference between the the one that went in the uh, Nintendo Wii is the fact that it it can only withstand a, a small amount of rads uh, of mm. radiation, whereas this thing. Uh, can stand up to mil- you know up to a million rads They've of radiation. Uh, yeah, that like massively. So, so if you're on the Orion blasting through space, you can play wee bowling and you'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and it's half the and it takes half the power as well. So these these chips are 
But the, the the hilarious thing, so so say if you bought a Wii, a Nintendo Wii chip, it would probably cost you about what a tenner these days, whereas these chi- chips are, are more like quarter of a million pounds. And so each chip, each like uh, like motherboard with these chips on, quarter of a million quid, and you think you've got to have one of those for lots of different. Uh, parts of the spacecraft so you can see how they get really expensive just from the just from the chips alone yeah but like so a a thousand rads of radiation would completely destroy your mobile phone Mm. but not only that when radiation hits your phone um it could actually change the calculation that it's doing so it might knock a, a it might not one of the chip a a naught into a one for example and then suddenly the the calculation is doing as well well it would be death if yeah. you're travelling into the Earth's atmosphere as a fireball yeah. and, and everything needs to be worked perfectly. So that's why they're very, very expensive. And that's why you have to make sure that the radiation uh, element is right because the chips that we use in modern uh, spaceships are much more susceptible than the old stuff. That's amazing. That kind of thing. God, that really is expensive. So the phrase cheap as chips definitely gets gets debunked now. <laughs> yeah, it's like the opposite. As, yeah. as expensive as space chips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a new phrase. <laughs> I like it. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that, that's quite uh, quite um, cool. And now I'll tell you what's an amazing video, if you, if you see it, is the pad abort test that they've done with the ah, okay. uh, Orion system, which, yeah. uh, which I believe is actually very, very similar to the SpaceX uh, Dragon uh, launch abort system. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, it, and it propels the crew from naught to 490 miles an hour in three seconds. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> so if anything goes wrong with the rocket, this thing just goes bang and off it goes. Uh, and the video of the pad abort, is um, is amazing you think oh my god that is just that makes incredible. the fastest car on earth seem like an absolute <laughs> joke doesn't it <laughs> it really does particularly so you're going up yeah you're not even going across <laughs> so no no absolutely it's, it's insane you've got to watch that video it's it's so wow. amazing um but most of that acceleration is in the first fraction of a second mm. and so they feel these huge but it, uh g-forces but it's for very short time and then it's sort of i think it's like 11g or something like that they feel for a fraction of a second then it drops down to about seven and a half so still absolutely horrendous yeah but and that's why the seats are angled exactly how they are so in the in the event of a launch abort that you you don't pass out okay yeah 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 yeah, nice it's cool huh very Uh, cool and then and then there's the heat shield and this this is what started my um interest in the orion thing with the the heat shield thing because i wanted to look uh all about it now I've got a really. Um, um, I was reading my SpaceX Dragon book. That you I've geek. <laughs> you geek. Uh, and there's a really good um, description of of a heat shield and how it works. Yeah. So, so there's actually two different ways of of, of heat shielding. Now the space shuttle did it in a different way by having um, uh, those tiles. Yeah. Um, but. The, the thing about the heat, the, the way that the shuttle worked was when they failed, when those tiles failed, unfortunately, that did result in the death of the astronauts. You know, right. it, it, so it, even though it was a brand new system, it kind of people are moving away from the tile system because it only takes one of those tiles to fall off or to fail and you're in, you're in big trouble. Yeah. When they were testing it for Ryan, they tested mm. eight different materials. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they kind of abandoned the uh, space shuttle tile system and went for this ablative thing. So mm. they tested eight materials. One was Avcoat, 
yeah. and one was Pika. Uh, right. And they eventually went with Avco, which is the opposite of what SpaceX have done. And SpaceX have gone for Pika. Uh, and, but because Pika was so expensive, they decided to make their own with the help of NASA, and they call it Pika X. So, uh, uh, so they are slightly different. But uh, an ablative um, uh, heat shield works... Uh, by the decay of the spacecraft's outer layer of skin, because it, by, by the tremendous heating yeah. during re-entry speeds, this decay occurs due to convection, which in turn is caused by the pyrolyzing layer that diffuses in the direction of the heated area of the shield. Here, wow. a boundary layer is created by the pressure of re-entry, and it's this layer that ensures the heat is redirected away from the shield. See, so, that's... That's amazing. And actually, that proves that this is not by any means just a simple cover that they've plonked on, you know, oh made of a specific God. substance. Uh, it's like, uh, come oh, well, on. Yeah, but no, yeah, I know. Well, listen to this. I mean, so, so the heat shield was composed of a titanium skeleton, carbon fiber skin that gave the crew module its circular shape on the bottom and provide structural support, on top of which fiberglass phenolinic honeycomb structure was placed. The honeycomb structure had 320,000 tiny cells that were individually <laughs> filled by hand with an ablative material called Avcoat, designed to wear away as the Orion returned to Earth. During the labour-intensive process, each individual cell was filled by hand as part of the serial process, <laughs> cured in a large oven, X-rayed, and then robotically machined to meet precise thickness measurements. <laughs> oh, my so, God. Yeah, it, you can see that, that is, it, it becomes unbelievably expensive. Um, I hope you Marcus. Yeah, well, one of the things that uh, was quite funny was uh, that they had to kind of start remanufacturing Avcoat because they hadn't used it for a long time. So it was actually quite hard to get, apparently, to get the yeah. Avcoat back to the performance level that it had been before. Oh, really? And one th- yeah, and one of the things they noticed uh, was actually this time they ha- it hadn't actually uh, cured off strong enough. So it was strong enough for the uh, test mission that they did. But yeah. um, but it's not strong enough when, when the spaceship has to go to extreme cold and then to extreme heat. So you can be going from ridiculously low temperatures to a very hot temperature. And obviously, as you know, when things do that, they tend to shatter or crack. Mm. So it's really, really important that that, that, that doesn't happen. That is so, uh, insane. So, so, yeah, obviously the heat shield is one of the kind of major parts of the spacecraft. But, and see, this uh, is cool because this is this is the reason we're talking about it. You don't hear about these things because... On one side, people are like, oh, you know, it's kind of boring. Well, it's not when you think about what goes into it. No. It's insane. And re- oh, and recently they've uh, announced that uh, uh, Orion will use uh, the laser communication system called oh, Lemnos. Yeah. Oh, yes. You yes, Lemnos. Uh, and that will mean that they'll sort of have this super high broadband internet, essentially, which means that we could have high-definition video uh, two two way high high way you know high definition video that means that we that when they do go to Mars or go to the Moon we'll have amazing pictures. It's gonna be it's gonna be absolutely cool. And if they want to download any films just to watch on the flight, it will be really quick. So I want to get onto this really cool thing called the Deep Space Gateway. We'll be the judge of that. <laughs> no, you, you will <laughs> definitely think this is cool. All right. So. So we've talked a lot about the moon, and and I think this is going to be essentially a space station that they're building 
just in sort of a lunar orbit that means that it's kind of like a staging post for deeper space missions. Cool. And uh, this looks like it's going to be the reason for Orion's existence and SLS is coming to that. So what you're saying is that eventually people will leave Earth, dock with the space station in lunar orbit and then go on from there into outer space. Yeah. So uh, William Gertzdenmeyer... Uh, obviously the uh, the head of human exploration at NASA, yeah. he said, I envisage different partners, both international and commercial, contributing to the gateway and using it in a variety of ways with a system that can move to different orbits to enable a variety of missions. The gateway could move to support robotic or partner missions to the surface of the moon or to high lunar orbit to support missions departing from the gateway to other destinations in the solar system. <laughs> How cool is that? He sounds like a 1930s English Air Force officer. What? With a name like William Gersteinmeyer? <laughs> he must be. <laughs> I'm not Gers- sure. I'm not Mustn't sure. We, that was get, good, we, let's, wow. let's get him on. Let's get him on a, let's get him let's on get a him show. On. Let's get him on. So, uh, yeah, so I've, um, I've, I've put out the little pictures of their, uh, of their um, timeline for Very all this. Very cool. And it actually starts soon. So one of the things that uh, is really interesting is when the SLS and Orion are actually going to launch. Yeah. Because um, it was going to be 20, 2018 uh-huh. that we were going to have this kind of uh, initial test. Yeah. Um, but now that 2018 initial test might, might, might be manned. That's like the recent thing. We talked about this on the podcast before. Mm. But that might be manned. That's cool. And then in 21, they might have another manned mission that goes round the moon. So, um, which will be a couple, well, three years after Elon Musk says he's going to do it. Yeah. And then they're going to start building the gateway in 2023. And that's going to be, uh, and there's going to be exploration mission three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and 11 between 23 and 30. So twenty between twenty twenty three and twenty thirty, they're going to be building this uh, uh, gateway. See, do you know what's really exciting about all this, Matt? Is it's not that far in the future. I mean, if you if you think about where we will be in say, I don't know, twenty fifty. I mean, yeah. we'll have done some incredible stuff. Who knows where we will have got to as well? Well, it's just starting to get really exciting, isn't it? Well, it seems like every month we mentioned something new that's happening in the future um, to further ourselves. I mean, this isn't like, you know, every year something comes up where we're like, oh, wow, this is every month. Yeah, and and after 50 years of stagnation, and I think the world, what the world really needs now is is like this new inspirational story. Absolutely. And I think actually uh, next week's guest, uh, The Moon Express, yes. is is very much part of that. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. So, uh, yeah, tune in next week, for goodness sake, because we're going to have an amazing amazing interview. So, Matt, have we got Uh, any launches this week? Yeah, so uh, this week's been quite a good week for launches. We've had a long March 7, uh, uh, yesterday. Go China. uh, That that launched the Changyong 1, which is Mm -hmm. a cargo spacecraft, I I guess a bit like the ATV that we are talking about earlier on. Um, And that has gone up to their uh, space station, the Heavenly Palace. Nice. Uh, 
Uh, so that's a, a massively important one for the Chinese because it's going to uh, basically it's their first robotic mission that's completely automated. So yeah. it kind of shows off quite a lot of their technical savvy. Absolutely, uh, they know what they're so doing. That, so that's pretty cool. Uh, we've also had the Soyuz MSO4 that was carrying up uh, the um, Fyodor Yudzikinch for his uh-huh. fifth trip into space, and Jack D. Fisher, Jack the American, Fisher, yeah, yeah, for his first launch How into exciting. space. So jealous. So yeah. So he's a test pilot. That's uh, this is his first trip to space. But the really cool thing about that, instead of doing their normal two-day orbit, they just went blasting straight up and did it in six hours. I just six couldn't believe it. Hours <laughs> straight into the space station. <laughs> I know. I, I, I watched the launch and thought, whoa. And then suddenly I thought, hang on a second, now the video of them going into the space station yeah, can't be, there be right. Yeah. It was unbelievable. It was really cool. Quicker than getting we to also- Glasgow from London. Yeah, and the Atlas Atlas Five also uh, took the John Glenn Cygnus cargo um, up to the International Space Station as yes, well. So it's got loads absolutely. of experiments on. Excellent and stuff. Just after our last podcast, we had a Long March Three B that was taking a communication satellite up for the Chinese. Nice. Well, it's been a good week a, all round. Yeah, that's been it's been a pretty epic week for the International Space Station. I'll tell you sure. one thing I wanted to mention, Matt, and that was the photo that you showed me of oh. Cassini. Oh yes. So Cassini <sighs> I mean it's done we've some only got... unbelievable oh. shots, but this has got to be my favourite so far. Of of Earth. Is that the one where we're looking yeah, back at Earth? Earth. And when oh, you zoom man. in you can see the moon. It's it's mind blowing. <laughs> I mean the rings yeah, just yeah, look gosh. they look so still. Yeah, I, I've know, actually start. I've started just going to the Cassini site every every, every day because mm. it's it, it's going to be gone soon. Uh, but now is going to be some of the best photos. It's literally diving in between the inner rings and Saturn itself now. So this so is going to be incredible. This is, we're, so we're September is when September's when it's officially kind of going to uh, burn up in the Saturn's up, atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, particularly particularly considering all these announcements that they've um, found organic. Well, no, that the, the, the type of um, oceanic plumes that have been coming mm. out of en- Enceladus and Europa, yeah, uh, really look like that. That that is the that is these hydra hydra. What are they called? Hydra well, vents. Chris Hadfield was explaining it on TV yesterday, and he was saying that it's the same. It's the same water that bred life on Earth. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it, the it, same it, conditions. Yeah, they, yeah, those wow. those hydro vents in uh, volcanic hydro vents at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, they're, hmm. they're teeming in life. So it, it, it so it's we should be looking to Mars. We, you know, we should be looking to yeah. a moon. Yeah, well, well, with the uh, deep space gateway, we can do. We can. Uh, that might be. In fact, Orion, uh, the SLS, and Orion, and, the, and all these things might might be one of the things that uh, enable all that. That's uh, amazing. The, See all your, these. You know. We we consider ourselves, you know, this in this big blue, just filled with water planet, which we are. But if you think how much more water they have on, not just in our solar system, I think we're, I think we're like third last or something in terms of how much water we have. But you look uh, at some, yeah, yeah. some moons, like some moons have more water than we do on Oh, Earth. yeah, well, yeah, I mean, Europa has a lot more water. Yeah. I mean, it turns, I mean weirdly, it turns out that Pluto's got a sort of... Pluto absolutely oh, does have oh, more water than us, oh, yeah. Oh, it's just crazy. Um, it's been a really good, really good week. So I think until next time, Jamie, I'm going yeah. to sign off now. Me and, too. Uh, uh, so, but yes, next week... 
tune in because we've got a really great interview. We've got a really great, great, guy. great interview with Bob, which we can't wait to uh, show you next week. So tune in. Please keep uh, commenting and subscribing. It's very important to us. We love the feedback. And uh, have a good weekend. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. See you next time. Bye.